just seen your hand tattoos for a bit. Well, I saw. Sorry, sorry. Come on, people at home won't be able to see this. Oh, this is being this is being cut anyway. Well, it might be being cut, but the fact that you've got my initials on your hand is a bit embarrassing. It's even more embarrassing that I've got your face tattooed on my stomach. <laughs> yeah, uh, podcast. Well, we well we haven't done this for a few weeks, have we? No, we haven't. No. I've both been well busy. Yeah, uh, having busy lives and not having any time for you guys. Well, yeah, I'm glad we're back because I haven't got any money, and this is my biggest source of income. So, <laughs> and what I mean by that is, it's that my, it's probably my smallest expenditure. Yeah, is a is a cheap hobby, isn't it? Cheaper. Um. Yeah, cool. Well, nice to see you again, Jacob. What do you want to tell us? What we're going to talk about this week? Um, well, as it's going to be a sort of a loose subject because we don't know where we're going to end up with it. But our starting point is going to be corruption because um, we've got the FIFA World Cup coming up, and there's a lot of uh, issues behind it. And one of the main things was how did how did they ever get the World Cup in? Um, I'm gonna. Is it? How do you pronounce it? Is it Qatar? Qatar, yeah, Qatar. So it's a, it's run by uh, the body called FIFA. That's been through many scandals throughout its history of being corrupt. But we can also we're also going to be talking about corruption within government, within business, and sort of why does it come about in talk a bit about how we stop it i suppose yeah i mean like like you said like corruption is absolutely everywhere like um like i might actually kick this off i might google a dictionary definition of corruption like i guess my issue is is like corruption in one system something might be corrupt in one system but doing the exact same thing in a different system might not be um Okay, so corruption, according to the dictionary, is dishonest or fraudulent con- conduct by those in power, typically involving bribery. So, thing- so it doesn't always have to involve money, but it normally does. Yeah, and I don't know if it's always illegal. Like, if something's dishonest, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, without even thinking about our podcast, that, like, what was it? I was watching an old episode of I Got News For You, and for Putin's 70th birthday, which was earlier this year, um, the president of Kazakhstan got him something like 200 watermelons, right? And uh, he basically, I was just thinking about their sort of political setups. And I was thinking in the UK, actually, we spend money on a load of rubbish stuff. But like, if if the government want to spend money, it's got to go through like a load of systems, like a load of like processes. But let's just, this is like completely, I don't know if this is true, but like in like, let's say Kazakhstan, the president wanted to spend a load of money on 200 watermelons or anything, and they just chose to do it. In our system, that might be considered corrupt because it's just like a decision made without any, without any sort of like democracy or like bodies looking at it. But in their system, if there's no law against it, like they might have a rule where the president can just do that. It's not corrupt. So I don't know. I just think like corruption is like an interesting one because it's subjective to the system and the people that surround it. I guess, yeah, I guess my question is like, do we think that from the off that like, is it, can it be corruption if, because the definition says 
dishonest? Can it be corruption if it's like dishonest but still legal? Like you don't break any laws or you don't break any rules to do what you want to do, but it's still it's still a bit like smelly. Uh, the, well, what, my way around. Well, if if it's like when people take money offshore, it's they're still legally allowed to do it, but it counts as people are, are against it and not a form of corruption but yeah i think that's just what makes maybe corruption quite interesting is because the whole point of corruption is it's not theft it's not like something that's like blatantly obvious it's like it's so much softer maybe that's why it's so hard to get people done for corruption because i'm sure we talk about it in a bit but like like say fifa they meet with like big business people all the time that's part of their job and like money changes hands as it does in any business and then like services change hands and then suddenly out of this we're like oh that's corruption it's interesting what when is something corruption and when is someone just like paying someone to do something like a job <laughs> also would you find i've known i was talking to uh, a friend's dad and he said he went to work in japan and um as he arrived he was like bombarded with gifts from other colleagues and other businesses that work with them um because i think he's he i think he was signing off on medical equipment um or insert drugs and he and he ends up returning all of the gifts um because he didn't want that to be a form of them trying to corrupt him or mm. uh, pay pay for him out so he thought uh, and again, apparently, it's part of the culture over there that when you do join a new society, people do gift you. That's what I was told. I'm, I could be wrong, but that's what I was told. But he didn't want any form to ha or have anything to persuade him while he was going through this so like checklist before signing off. So he didn't want his judgment to be um, clouded, and he also didn't want them to think, "Oh, I've given him a gift, so he'll now be start doing things in my my way." Um, I and well, I think can... that's honest because I think again a lot of people who turn up to a new job and people are giving you gifts, you probably think, "Oh wow, this is brilliant! Everyone's really super nice to me. This is this is good." And then not realizing they might even be getting corrupted slightly without even knowing it. Yeah, because then you feel like you owe them. I, I remember when I was working in the NHS, and actually it's same in like the civil service now that they have really strong rules about accepting gifts. And basically, the standard is is like if you receive this gift, gift could it be perceived to be? getting an advantage over you not even like is it getting an advantage over you but could someone from the outside look at that and be like oh that's a bit dodgy and like and i think that's the level they particularly in like public bodies and stuff that's the level they work to because yeah it's true like even if it's a well-intentioned gift like for, uh, a couple of months down the line they might need a favor and then you feel like oh they were nice to me i got to owe them and it's just good not to put yourself in that position um it's always interesting isn't it like like you say like the guy you were speaking to and like i've had it i've had like Tr um, training with that sort of stuff like le relatively low level but then it seems to happen at a really high level like in fifa and politics the whole time and it's like well like getting a bouquet of flowers or whatever or like a hamper of like sweets is one thing and then we'll get the, the examples we're talking about are going to be like millions of pounds <laughs> so it's like well, that's, i think that's what we're talking about probably at fifa where yeah they are it is millions of pounds or it is things being like holidays being paid for and Things like that, but does it... do, you want to, do you want to give a rundown of what like the whole FIFA thing is, just briefly, if you can, just in case people don't know? Um, okay, so if you have a go with FIFA, um, basically they have like uh, the heart. There's, I think every country gets a vote to 
to, to say where they want the next World Cup. Um, and then... But it's got to be, I think it's got to be agreed within FIFA which countries have it. So they might say some countries aren't allowed it because they haven't got the resources or there's political issues going on in their country. Um, but And it's been known before that bidders have been bought off and paid for um, and that's all done from the top because what will happen so is a country will pay the top officials so we want that we want it here and then they'll tend to trickle the money down to the, to pay for the voters to get it get it along so what happened here was the country we're talking about has no infrastructure or very little infrastructure for football um has a lot of issues against human rights um and they ended up with with the world cup is it has it been proven or is it just speculated at the moment with the, well some uh, people know some people have gone to prison for expect ex, uh, like the whole system's not been proven but some people are in prison because they accepted bribes for, um to to put Qatar as the world cup hosts but the thing is it was too late to re reorganize um but yeah so that has been proven but like i think that yeah like you said the issue with it is like any country can put their name forward fifa basically select the ones that are like legitimate so there's like you said you have to have the infrastructure you have to have a certain amount of stadiums that can hold a certain amount of people etc cetera, etc cetera. and then from that then FIFA, what's called fifa's congress then vote um and you're right like fifa the heads like the big heads of fifa who choose who's because one issue qatar had is that they don't have any football stadiums like none of the size required so i just googled it quickly that to to host like you have to have a bunch of stadiums that are 40,000. Then to host the quarterfinals, you have to have a stadium. You have to have stadiums with 60,000. And then to host the semifinals and finals, you have to have an 80,000 seat stadium. And basically, Qatar had none of them. Doesn't even have a 40,000 seat stadium. But they basically said, oh, we will build it in time and then showed them like the plans. And that was enough. And that's the first time that's been like allowed that we're like, oh, yeah, we trust them to build it. Uh, and it got paid off. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty like messed up. And like loads of like we're talking millions and millions, like a ridiculous well, amount. Because I because I even remember when it happened in uh, what part of Africa was the last one? Uh, was the uh, South Africa? South Africa. That was it. Even when they were building stadiums, they had a lot of uproar with people dying building the stadiums because I thought again, it, I think it was Brazil more, wasn't it? Wasn't it the Brazil World Cup? Oh, Which... to fair, I think it's been been a few. And well, to fair, I, I was watching this documentary the other day, and um, one of the um, earlier World Cups when FIFA became really big and started taking on sponsors and got took a lot of money. It went to Argentina, Argentina, where um, when when on they were under dictator, uh, dictatorship, and people were like on the streets trying to fight for their freedom, and they <laughs> stayed, and they and they knew they had all these political issues. A bit like that's not. And there's not as probably, probably not as bad here, but there's still a lot of issues. Um, the World Cup still stayed there, and people were in uproar at the time. So it's 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 happened before, and it's happening again. It's almost like we're we still haven't learned from our lessons, and this has been going on for years and years and years. And if anything, it's probably only getting worse with the more money changing hands. What 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 do you feel like if um just talking on like the political issues and stuff? If Qatar had won that bid like legitimacy, legitimately, let's say they had like the infrastructure and they just got the votes, do you think Qatar, for all of the reasons like it being held in winter, um, uh, all the political issues like civil rights and stuff in the in the country, do you think it's legitimate for Qatar to host a World Cup, excluding like the bribery and the and the infrastructure? 
I don't I don't think it would ever got there. I with the human rights issues that's going on. I believe it could have got there because it's in winter. I believe it could have possibly got there because it didn't have any stadiums. But I don't think where it is politically and how it's run um, for human rights, gay rights, um, female right, uh, rights. I just don't ever think it would have got there. But like, do you, do you, are you saying you think it wouldn't have passed or are you saying it shouldn't have? I'm asking, I, don't think, I'm, I, don't, I don't think it would have done. I'm asking if it was you that was in charge of deciding and Qatar were going to get it. Yeah. Would, would you say, I'm asking if you think like morally, should they be allowed to host it because they've got all of those issues? Or do you think if FIFA decided that they can host it, do you think that would be a fair decision? Even if, I'm saying if they did. So in this I, type of world, I, they have I, to I think the only way that they could have like probably morally given it was if they were saying we are now making changes through our law systems change um rule laws such as it's, it's the changing it because it is now it's illegal to be um to be gay over there um yeah. if they were saying yeah we're now reviewing our rule, those rules and we're changing how how we act as a society um then i i I, I think you could then, but I still don't think. I think in the in the modern in the modern world, to with all the amazing places we've got around the world, and we're going somewhere where it's still illegal to be gay, and we're holding the biggest sporting event in the world, and we're holding it there. I just think it's sort of outrageous. Yeah, um, and I, I I get you. I to an extent I disagree. Um... Just because like, my that? one my my one issue with this whole thing, and like obviously, okay, so my, my one reason that I think you're right, <laughs> and then I'll say why I disagree, is because football's meant to be a sport for everyone. So like football is meant to be a sport for the whole world. Um, yeah. So that leads me down the path of saying, well, someone like Qatar that isn't traditionally a footballing nation, we have to make loads of changes to make it possible, like having the World Cup in um, in Christmas uh, over Christmas time just to make it viable to play because of the heat all of that stuff I'm all for because it should be available to the Middle Eastern countries as it should be to the rest yeah, of the world that's, that's, that's not the part I have an issue for but if it's still if their part of the world still doesn't allow certain people to be who they are in the world and let them be in, that that part of the world isn't being inclusive to everyone else mm. it should be part of yeah part and of this the is sort of what I was going to go on to say that yeah and then like the logical argument that is is that if it's meant to be for everyone and then you're not allowed to be gay there like one of like um James Cleverly the um the foreign secretary um in Britain said um said like oh the, I think the quote was that gay people should consider compromising parts of their personality like like th that sort of attitude that it was like well you have to change it's like no football's about should be inclusive of everyone but yeah the real the real reason I kind of actually disagree is that the problem is like America has incredible human rights abuses. Like the vast majority of people in their prisons are African Americans. Like they've got like they've got a system that's completely biased against certain people. They've got like massive. We have it in Britain too. Massive policing problems against men and ethnic sorry against women and ethnic minorities. That like we like we've committed like illegal invasions of other countries. Um, and when I say we, I just mean like the West, like more broadly. And I just think that there's an issue here that. Western countries look down on other countries and say, oh, no, your your human rights aren't good enough or the way you treat your people isn't good enough, all of this, or you shouldn't be able to host host World Cups because of how you treat your people. Meanwhile, we're far from perfect. And it's like, where where's the line drawn? And why are some countries considered too evil and other countries considered okay? And I think particularly when it's the people in Qatar 
it's only the governments that are the problem. It's not the like the average man. The average person in Qatar is just like just want just wants to celebrate like football just as much as anyone. And I think that's just my issue with this. That whilst I agree that we should try and get social change and we should encourage countries to change, if we were only do it on countries that don't like abuse their people, there'd be a really small number of countries that we'd actually be able to host it in. And I think like. And that's why I just at what point do we draw do we draw the line between saying you can host the World Cup and you can't? I don't think we would have hosted it in Brazil. I don't think we would have hosted it in South Africa. We probably wouldn't have even hosted it in South Korea. Like I think all of these, I just I don't know. Do you find that persuasive at all? Or do you think that like there is I, I, I think I think there's I think there's reason sometimes to do it in countries that aren't perfect. Um and then because it brings a lot of media to the issues that they have and then that almost brings a pressure on them to change anyway but i think there's almost too many issues in in this case there, there's there's moral boundaries you sort of people draw for yourselves mm. in any in any any way it is um but that but the what what you're saying there's also a point there because um you, you talk about um is it who have we who who've England got on the group stages? Iran and USA and Wales. Yeah, uh, uh, Iran. So they are currently uh are they currently in a war or are they backing Russia? Uh yeah, I think they're supporters of um of Russia. So they uh, their supply is it their I can't, yeah, I can't remember. I did know this, but my brain's tired because it's late at night. Um I think they're if if it's yeah, they're sporting. Is it is it is it there are they at war as well? Are they fine? Or is it just the fact they're sporting? <laughs> you having a bit of a breakdown, a meltdown here. I'm having a bit of a breakdown. Or is it they're just supplying weapons to Russia? I think I don't I don't 100 percent know to be honest. Um, but Iran and Russia have always been quite uh, close. Iran and Russia, according to Google, are strategic allies and form an axis, um, alongside Armenia. Iran and Russia are also military allies in conflicts in Syria and Iraq. And partners, I, in it. yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the war in Syria, and um, so there's people calling out for for them to not be in the World Cup as well because they're, yeah, because um, they're again, in, well, you said illegal war. I, I think every war is a bit is illegal, really. Um, but and and I think they are also supplying weapons to to Russia. Um, but then I, I think I made this point to the other day is that like, what was the difference from when um uk and america invaded afghanistan um illegally and we were still in the world cup and no one no one was asking for us to be banned yeah I, and actually you know what this is coming right onto our very first episode ever like politics and sport and like to what extent should sport be used as a weapon for political change and that's again probably coming back to my defense about guitar hosting like if again forgetting all of the infrastructure stuff that actually like I don't know if sport is the right field to be like get making guitar change political cha making uh, political change, and it's just interesting this whole sort of dynamic of like countries trying to change other countries and saying like, oh you're not treating your people right. Yeah, um, well, I think I think I think as well. Sometimes what you try and look at is when, especially because you look at you look at countries like Qatar and they're not they're not poor, but when they've gone to poorer countries as well before that have had issues. The argument is sort of being they've gone to poorer countries and it's actually going to help out that nation yeah. giving more money to it but you feel in this case as well the money isn't actually going somewhere to help 
the actual people out. It's not helping um it's not helping poor communities out. It's not helping people get more equal and level. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really valid point. Like there's no especially if you look at like all of the human rights abuses in terms of building stadiums, like they've been using migrant workers and like forced labor, paying them next to nothing. That like it's not going to local economies. It's not the local yeah. economies aren't benefiting. It's like the millionaires and the billionaires that are profiting I off this. Think that's why corruption can be such an uproar. It's because people aren't getting the fair payout of what should be coming their way. It's yeah. only the top people raking it in. I think that is that's probably one of the biggest issues people have with corruption. I, that, might, that might bring us nicely onto like another like. Can we talk about UK politics corruption briefly? Because yeah. I think one issue particularly that's particularly true. The point you just made in so in like a political sphere, because often the money that goes that gets lost during corruption is taxpayers' money. So like it's one thing to be losing money. But it's another thing when you're paying money into a system to make your country better. And then that's just being sucked off and given to someone. And I think yeah. that's particularly frustrating and particularly, well, harmful because the because the, the the nation loses money that it could be spending on helping people and making lives and services and healthcare and all that sort of stuff better. Well, we saw we saw that in COVID, didn't we, where um, companies that shouldn't have really been given contracts were being given it to them and, it, and like all the money wasted on um, the uh, track and trace system and that was all mega corruption and again that is all our money for our own pockets Un unproven at the moment but yeah um and and, th and then the people who really get punished for it are the people yeah like i said who paid for it themselves yeah and i think like so like the covid the covid systems are a good example because one of the accusations is is that well basically whenever the government hands a contract to someone they're meant to go through like a long um, procurement process where they basically like interview them and then like a panel of people decide who's the best person to give the contract to. But the government argued in this case that like COVID was so happening so fast and so dangerous, like we had to act on it and do just make a decision quickly, which is, I think, usually a fair argument. The issue is, is that I think they gave it to the, the person who they gave the contract to was the wife of a Tory party MP. And her previous job was the CEO of three, the telephone company. And she'd completely crashed their value. Like she completely failed at three, never done anything like this, then was given multi-millions of pounds, then set up a, a a new system, completely failed at that too, and just got given billions of pounds to do it. Yeah, that, that also happened a few times with certain PPE. Um, yeah, PPE contracts. They, they, that, like, there were companies who'd never sold any any like PPE in their lives, and all of a sudden they're trying to sell... Uh, they've got this big contract to sell the masks and gloves and aprons and and then a lot of them turned out not to be not to work um and then i think it made it even worse when um companies big companies that did deal in things like that actually came out and said we've been trying to contact the government um to say we've got these products for them and they'd been getting ignored what was the um what was do you remember like post brexit they gave a contract to a company to do the channel crossing the ferries across the channel to like go between Dover and Calais and the and they didn't own any boats. <laughs> yeah, they didn't own a single boat, but they did, but they were a Tory party donor. And it was like yeah. it, like it was like this insane a bit like the Qatar World Cup. It's like, oh yeah, we'll build the stadiums later. And it's like this insane thing where it was just given to a party, uh, um given to an individual who didn't own any boats and was like, Yeah, here's a multi-billion pound contract. Well, what what do you think about could be a form of corruption as well? Um, things like Tory donors paying for flats to be decorated and painted, mm. such as Boris Johnson's 
our friend Bojo had his flat already done nicely and it was all paid from a donor. Yeah, well, that comes back to the gifts that we started off with, isn't it? Like, clearly, clearly, basically, worst case scenario, it's actually is completely wrong and immoral because what you're doing is basically saying, okay, I'm not going to give you cash because that looks dodgy, but I'm going to pay for you to go on a massive holiday and I'm going to redecorate your flat for you as a quote-unquote, like, just gift off for no reason. And then next thing you know, their company's getting a tax break or something. Um, so yeah, I think the I think it's clearly wrong. And in best case scenario, it's just like a genuine thing that they're trying to give them a gift. Even then, like we said at the beginning, it should be rejected because it looks dodgy and it casts doubt over you. And if you're a if you're a politician, you're earning good money anyway. You're you're extremely privileged to be where you are. I just think you should just reject it no matter what and just. Well, the th thing is, in that position, even if it is within the law you're meant to be still setting an example so if it yeah. even if it is so if it even if it's on the boundaries you still want to try and make yourself and give a good example so you shouldn't be doing it um because you want to give off a good image well mm. that's what i believe you should be doing yeah i agree and also yeah i just think that like you shouldn't because otherwise like you you want to be seen as someone that can't be corrupted and you're true to your morals and that's how you should want to be viewed um, one of just another quick example because it's my favorite. I've probably mentioned it to you before. Um, is Pretty Patel when she was um, Home Secretary um, had a contract where I think she worked like three or four hours a year for a company that made um, uh, radar like boat radars, and they were paying a thousands and thousands of pounds an hour to do like a couple of hours a year. And yeah. Then when it came and then when she was Home Secretary, she decided to renew like a load of naval vessels and have their radar systems replaced with the naval system that she was an advisor with the company that she was an advisor for. And it was like clearly, I mean, this was never proven, but it just looks so much like this is well, this is what it looks like from an outside perspective, that she's been paid to be a quote unquote advisor. And actually, a critic might say she's not advising, she's receiving money that in return that when she's in a position of power she'll give them a favor and it just like it was just so clearly not good <laughs> i think there's i guess the counter arguments are that first one i say about covid sometimes quick decisions need to be made um you like if you need to spend money to do something and you spend six months on a massive procurement process trying to work out who's best and making sure it's fairest and everything, then that's six months people aren't getting a service you need. Like if if our naval vessels need new radar systems, that's six months without them having a radar system. Yeah, um, I, I just think corruption, it basically just, it creates inequality basically, I think. Yeah, and it's just anti-democratic. I think that's like the main issue for me, that it's like you're overriding the will of a democracy because you're not letting a democratic decision be made. You're just whoever's got the most money decides. Um, I guess there was the other counter argument is that like, if we elect politicians to make decisions for us, we should let them make the decision. Like why have a second say, like constantly like reviewing their decisions when they were elected to make the decisions? Not that I feel like that argument flies. <laughs> I'm just trying to find out if there's any way to, how, how would you stop corruption? There's 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 a load like and also the things every job I've done I've done corruption training and it's all like I have to spend like at least an hour two hours doing training on like not accepting gifts not doing all of this, but yeah all right, will Google tell us in one sentence? Sorry, seeing if Google will tell us in one sentence to how how we solve this problem. We'll stop political corruption. Um. 
yeah, okay. As suspected, it's massive articles. Um, so just while we're sort of on this sort of limb, even though it's not massively about corruption, um, do you want to tell me and everyone listening your feelings on Matt Hancock entering the jungle and going on I'm a Celebrity? My... Oof. What do I think of that? Um, there's... Well, when I... So my first reaction when I first saw him going on it, I don't watch I'm a Celebrity, but I know what it's about. Um, and I was like, good, I hope people take the mick out of him. I hope he gets to all the horrible challenges. Um, I hope people are mean to him. All this, blah, blah, blah. Then you sort of... I've seen a few clips. And then you sort of see him a bit unwelcome. People saying a few things like this, sort of left out to dry. And he sort of... My sort of personality is like, yeah, don't really like seeing people being mean to anyone, even if they probably deserve it. Mm. Um, and then it starts to take over him like, well, why is he there? Um, should he be there? And and I'm just like, sort of the why is he's obviously trying to do it for his own gain. He's trying to make people like him. He probably thinks he can come across and get a good, good image of himself after he's made massive cock-ups through COVID. He got caught cheating on his wife. Um, so he's probably thinking, yeah, I can I can make my image look good again. Um, if if he might, I don't know, it's a bit of a stretch, but he might even be thinking the Tory party could be going down the drain. So let's make himself um, a bigger sort of celebrity, um, try and get himself more money, and then that sets up his career for away from politics. Mm. Um, I don't think he should be there because... He's he's a working MP. Yeah, MPs should be allowed to have holidays, but I think they're they're away for like five, six weeks, aren't they? Yeah, they get the they get parliamentary recess. We've got a recess coming up. Like, there's plenty of time away from away from. So he's, he's got he's got five or six weeks away where I don't think they've got any contact with the outside world. He uh, says, well, he says there's a hotline set up, so if his constituents need him, they can get hold of him. Apparently. But, Again, he's not he's not keeping up to with news. He's not really seeing what's going on. Um, he's meant to be looking after his 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 people and doing the best for them. And also, he's I think they get paid again. I might be wrong. Get paid about four hundred thousand pounds. All the top guys do to do it. And back in the UK, we're now having uh, we're going through about to hit recession. People are struggling to heat their homes. People are struggling to, uh, to eat food. And he's in the jungle. Trying to live like act like this funny, nice guy, um, earning all this money, and he's got people at home struggling. Have I missed anything, or would you like to add <laughs> Well, I was say, that's, that's pretty scathing. Um, do you think there's any argument? Because politicians, they do this often say sometimes they're trying to get reach people that wouldn't normally engage with politics and get, get their voice out there and get and get like a public face on politics. Um, so people know who they are and what they stand for that wouldn't normally. The, be engaged with politics do you think there's any any argument or does that fly at all um i see i can see a small side of it but i don't think it so i i don't watch it but how many times has he talked about politics while he's there i don't think he has once well because there's a i can't remember which which newspaper it is but like i said to you actually earlier today that um He's, what the reasons he says he's going on is to raise the profile politics, but it's because he wants to raise awareness of dyslexia, which he has, and um, 
uh, and his, he's got a bill going through Parliament in a couple of weeks, and he's going on there to raise awareness for those two things. But he hasn't mentioned either of those things once. <laughs> like they've not come up once. Yeah. So it just. So, so the thing that makes me laugh because obviously I'm very dyslexic. You're slightly dyslexic. You're dyslexic as well, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think, yeah, okay, make it make it aware. But I think most people are now quite aware what dyslexia is. But how do you how do you improve people who've got dyslexia by improving the education system? What the Tories been doing to the education system? absolutely running it down through well, the actually, lot, some people have said like well if you really cared about if you really want to make things better for people with dyslexia then what you should do is i don't know go to parliament where you can make laws that make the world a better place like his his literal job is be in a position of power and make up laws that improve people's lives you don't you don't need to go on celebrity shows and start um Okay, what about if he, because um, Penny Morden, who's the leader of the House for the Tories currently, she went on Splash like a year or two ago, which is like the di like a diving show. I don't know if you ever watched it with Tom Daly. Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. And she went on, and I can't remember how much money she got. Um, she got like, I don't know, quite a lot of money. And with that money, she built a new, hosp um, a new swimming pool in her constituency. And then Tom Daly came and visited it and opened it and stuff. Would you say yeah. that... Like, if Matt Hancock spent the 400 grand on, let's say, something to help his community in West Suffolk, would that justify the whole thing? I think it would help. I I, I will lick your elbow if he does. Okay. I'll lick your scabby elbow if I'll he does. Um, um, okay, if he'd said beforehand... I, I'm, I'm going to use my 400 grand to help my community. Would you have just made all of the scathing comments you would have done? Or would you have said, you know what, I support him? I I still don't think he should be doing it while being an MP. I think I think the difference is the splash one. You you're not away. Well, I don't know how how far. How no, long I don't away. think you, you don't go into a jungle in Australia. But you're not you're not in a remote jungle with no phone communications. Even if you are training however many hours a day to do it, you can still probably look at your phone for a couple of hours and reply to emails or take calls. Yeah, true. Um that's my that's my sort of opinion. Not, not, no, not, I think I, I think the same thing on that. Um do you think do you think it would be more acceptable if you gave them money away for from what he's doing? Yeah, I think it'd be more acceptable. I but I again I'd say like he's extremely he's not it's not like he's just got any old job, like you said. Like very there's six hundred and fifty people in this country that are MPs and they have unique power in that they can suggest laws they can go in government they can spend their time they could he could spend all day one if he wanted in his office talking to mps persuading them to change a law for the better of the country like if he wants to make a new law that like or create extra funding for people with dyslexia in schools and stuff what, like what do you think about what do you think about itv actually allowing him to go on there and actually booking them there's a hard do, one in it i you think they have any responsibility for that well it's embarrassing if you say the IT, ITV are the problem because they booked him because he's it, the, ultimately the buck stops with him. So I, I say no him. If politicians are going to be stupid enough to do it, I don't think I just don't think they should be allowed to. Like, um, yeah, if ITV were going to, like, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say there should be a law that says they can't book him. Just politicians well, shouldn't well, be able to say yes. I, th I think I think the other funny thing as well. Now thinking about it, is especially during COVID. A lot of the Tory MPs start to refuse to go on certain news channels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they 
being bombarded with questions and they started picking and choosing who they'd be who they'd go and report to generally people who wouldn't ride them as much mm-hmm. um, and now it's like okay yeah we're now now this is on our terms we'll go and do what, what we want i think there's something that's interesting i remember when theresa may refused to debate jeremy corbyn before an election um which was a crazy situation where we had a prime minister saying i'm not going to do any debates and like you're right it seems like they will use the media when it's in their advantage, but then avoid it when it's not. And it's yeah. like, well, we should see the real side of you. Um, one thing I mentioned that I'll just mention really quickly now is, um, and I said this to you earlier as well, is actually about um, second jobs. Like loads of MPs have second jobs. And we don't need to talk about this too much because it's actually quite boring. But loads of MPs have second jobs, other just things that distract them while they're at work and they're earning loads of money off. And the corruption one's actually good. It ties in perfectly with corruption. They spend their time or not, just being paid by other companies to do things for them. And in a way, this is just the second job that he's gone and done. He's taken time out to go do it. And what I would say is, is that if Matt Hancock going to the jungle and taking time out of his working life to do this is wrong, then I'd say it raises questions about the other jobs that MPs do. Because if they spend, if they do a day as an MP, and then they spend all up all night working their second job as an advisor for a radar company, let's say, then... The next day, they're not going to be as an efficient MP because they've spent all night working as an advisor for a, another company. I just think it raises questions about, well, if this is wrong for Matt Hancock to do, then I think we need to really start looking at exactly do about you, second jobs. Do you think MPs should be allowed to have second jobs? No, not really. Um, I think... Uh, so no jobs? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say no. They shouldn't because I just think that... Well, the first reason is they shouldn't have any serious second jobs because the amount of hours you have to work as an MP is an insane amount of hours. And just basically on workers' rights alone, you're technically so not, not meant you to say, work more than 50 hours. Would you say David Lammy shouldn't be on LBC? Well, 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 now you have me. Um, yeah, I think if I'm being consistent, yeah. Um, I think my main concern is with jobs that... Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't think he should. I think because I, my issue is, if there's a vote about, for, in the case of David Lammy, a vote about restrictions or freedoms for like radio, for radio channels, if you work for that company, you have a complete bias already. Like it directly affects you and your income. And it's the and it's it's one thing when you're working for a radio station. It's another thing when you're working for like a company that's like selling a product and they want a government contract which happens more often that you don't tend to hear about so i think i would go down the hard line of saying a mps shouldn't have second jobs that are like genuine second jobs like i know like there are some jobs that you just do like an hour every month because you're just like an advisor so you just do attend one meeting advise and leave they're more questionable but full second jobs no because you sh- you're working too many hours and secondly you shouldn't have any second job including those little hours ones just because it makes you biased when you then have to make decisions about what's best for the country so yeah i think that or do you do you disagree um i think it'd be easy if you straight up said no um but i still think because i think if you want to become an mp you should be becoming an mp first you, you're in that position for mate try and make your either your area you're in charge of to try and make it better a better place or and make your country a better place but i also feel like why shouldn't they sometimes try and be ambitious because again it's it's an all right salary being an mp it depends which how far you're up the ladder as well so some it's, it's, it can be an all right paycheck but sometimes it's not 
yeah you're right and people can want more and again sometimes with a lot some of the stuff they would have to deal with is maybe not that much money um so but i then again i think you should have to have rules in place um such as um i think you always have to be very clear you should always have to yeah. declare i think you have to do now you have to declare what yeah. you, who you're working for um if you um how much they're paying you um but i think it should be there might have to be something like um if you're something you're voting on um is to do with a law or a rule that your company is working for maybe you shouldn't be allowed to, to, to vote. Things that, that that's complete standard practice in other industries so when i when i worked in the charity sector all of the board of trustees would put down their like vested interests and like other companies they work for or have worked for previously etc etc and then if there was a decision to be made on a certain subject so for instance like if you're on a school board like for like a primary school and they're choosing a new supplier to make to bring in like new food and you work for the local farm and that farm is competing for the contract to give the school like chicken or vegetables or whatever then you won't be allowed to vote on that because you have a vested interest because you'll make more money if yeah. you choose that that farm as the thing. So then you're removed from that situation. You might be removed from the debate, and then you're not allowed to vote. So in the House I, of Commons, they need I, to do that. And I think that's fair. And I, I don't even sometimes I don't even sometimes mind being in there for the debate. You you put your across your point across why you think that should be done, but then I don't think you should be there to be able to vote for it. Hmm. And you are probably going to be biased. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it just needs to be transparent and clear, doesn't it? And I think that's the that's the issue we have because low. It'd be really interesting to see. I might see if there's a quick answer, but like it'd be really interesting to see how many MPs have second jobs because we don't know. We know David Lammy works for LBC, and we know yeah, Matt Hancock's got a line of I think it is a very high. Amount. I, I think I heard it on the radio once because um, it was a it was it was a big topic a few months ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what are you now if you now search. Well, it's not you know what it's not as many as I was thinking. So, guess we. So, it, it, I've got the stats for Labour and Conservative. Um, let me just look how much. So there are. So there are three hundred and sixty-five Conservative MPs in the Houses of. This isn't with second jobs. This is just in total three hundred sixty-five Tories, and there are two hundred and two Labour. Um, so out of the 365 Tories, 90 of them have declared second jobs. Yeah. And of the, of the 202 Labour, do you want to have a guess? So it's 90 out of 365 for Tories. Right. Labour, do you reckon Labour have more or less proportionally? At less. Yeah, they have two. Uh, who's, sorry, who's sorry. I undersold it. They have three. So three right. out of 202 Labour and 90 out of 365 uh, Tories. And do do both the both of the Labour parties? Do they both work for LBC? Should we find out? Um, probably. Well, who's the other Labour one that does it? I can't remember if she's actually a. Um, uh, oh, uh, oh, do you want to do you want to? I've got the rules here. The Parliament website. The rules for having second job. Oh, you read that out while I'm looking this up. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, members, so MPs must register um, individual payments of more than £100, which they receive for any employment outside the House of Commons. They must also register individual payments of £100 or less 
once they've received 300 total. So they basically have to register any amount of money they receive for employment. Uh, they must register any of these, they must register, register their salaries. Oh, if that's the only requirement, that's basically it. Redundancy. They basically just got to register their income. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, and again, there, there has been cases where they haven't declared it. Yeah, and that's the issue. Well, like, I think that's what got Boris Johnson done with stuff. Mind you, this article is saying 114 Tories. I want to see what their jobs are. Oh, who, who's earned the most currently? I know you know them. There's, which MP has earned the most from second jobs? But this article might be slightly outdated. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. No, Theresa May. She's earned 1.3 million. Oh, that's because they have... Doesn't her husband own... Um, like no, it's, it says since being Prime Minister, she's made the most from doing like special speeches, like one-off speeches at like events. Where, yeah, yeah where she, the biggest payment she got was £160,000 to do one speech. Also, did you know, so once you're a Prime Minister, you carry on getting the salary for the rest of your yeah. life? Yeah, so 115k. Liz, so Liz Trust is now, after being one of the worst Prime Ministers ever, like even worse than probably Boris Johnson, which was an achievement, mm -hmm. she now gets that salary for the rest of her life. That's crazy. And we pay for that. We pay someone who always... I've who was minutes away from ruining our economy. Like, I know, and we pay 115 grand. Absolutely tacking it, tanking it. So this is where my issue comes in a little bit. So there's, it says here that there's a Labour MP called Dan Jarvis, who's one of the three Labour MPs with second jobs. Yeah. He, over the period measured, he was doing an extra base, almost 28 hours a week. Like, and that means that if he's working his normal 40-hour week as an MP... That's like almost 70 hours a week. And an MP definitely works more than 40 hours. It would, that, it, would be, it would be interesting to find out what a local MP actually works. Definitely, definitely I, more hours than they should. Because it's not a set time, is it? You don't, there's no... I reckon not, legally, legally, they must have a set... Legally, they'll have to say how many hours a week it is, but it won't be like nine to five. They're, they work stupid hours. I know for a fact they work stupid hours. I, I just think this is fascinating. Um, so, yeah, maybe people at home, it's really worth just Googling MP second jobs and seeing how much people are earning because it's not something I'm, I overly knew much about. Well, we've been going for, like, around 50 minutes or so. So anything else you want to add? I mean, I'm quite shocked. I'm going to have to have a little read a bit further about this. Um, it's coming home. It is coming home. We should also be clear that having a second job isn't necessarily corruption, even though this episode has been on corruption. But it's a grey area. It's a grey area. I'd hate to seem not neutral. Um, yeah. So, well, World Cup starts very soon, so that's exciting. Maybe we should do a World Cup special edition. Maybe we should do an episode where we watch a World Cup game together and record our reactions. Uh, who do you think's going to win? England, mate. It's coming home. Who do you think's going to win? I just think England's going to win it. Do you actually? I will lick your elbow if they don't. <laughs> My elbow's not scabby like yours. I, I don't know why you're saying that. I've got a very clean, lovely elbow. It's like a baby's bottom. It's just a scabby elbow. <laughs> what a lovely, lovely, lovely image for everyone at home to think about to finish up this episode.
Right, well, I'm going to sign off. Um, unless you've got anything brilliant to say. Peace out. Peace out. All the love, all the power. Until next time.